Welcome to the IQEQ Power Talk. I'm Serge Hanselblum, the Executive Chairman of IQEQ and your host for today. I'm pleased to welcome our special guest, Neil McDougall, the Chairman of Silver Fleet Capital and the Chair of the BVCA, the trade body for the UK private equity and venture capital sector. The COVID-19 pandemic had a huge impact on the world's economy and the alternative assets sector has not been spared, but in all crises, there are also opportunities. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, Serge. How are you today? Doing well, thank you. The sky's blue, the sun's shining, it's the middle of summer, and uh, we've got a pandemic to talk about. Yes, absolutely. But I see you're, I mean, you're in good shape. That's great. Uh, if we look at last year's trend, investors appear to be gearing up to increase their allocation to private equity and real estate. Um, in your opinion, what are the factors that have been driving the, uh, the popularity of those asset classes? Well, it's a good question, Serge. Um, there's no doubt that as of last year, the trend was very strongly towards alternative assets. Um, in my experience, they're quite heavily correlated to uh, stock market indices. So if you're a big fund manager, you allocate, say, 5% of your, your book um, to, to private equity or real estate. Um, and as the indices go up, that 5% is a bigger number. So uh, you, you have that um, driving it is a sort of uh, the denominator effect in reverse, effectively. The other aspect is that there were lots. Uh, there was a lot of um, exits going on, lots of liquidity, lots of money flowing back to investors, uh, and and people were quite keen uh, to see that redeployed back into the asset class. So um, good uh, drivers from those perspectives. Um, the way things are looking now, though, um, it, we've got some interesting stuff coming. So um, there, there's a professor at the Said Business School in Oxford called Ludovic Felipu who has recently published uh, a number of articles, indeed a book, about whether private equity is actually generating um, a premium to what you could get um, off the uh, US indices um, through a tracker. And I, I think you'll see quite a lot of discussion over the next six to 12 months about does uh, a private equity and do the alternative asset classes actually generate the premium that compensates for the illiquidity of these um, vehicles and um, it's something the BVCA has been looking hard at and uh, I think the case is much stronger certainly in Europe so if you look at uh, the relevant indices for Europe which could be the MSCI Europe index it produces about a seven and a bit percent IRR if you look at what the FTSE 100 has done over a very long period it's about 7.7 percent IRR and, and private equity and, and, uh, has generally produced, you know, a good premium. And I, by good, I'd say at least 300 to 400 basis points premium to those returns. If you look at America, it, it's harder because 20% of the S&P 500 is made up of, of companies which have performed stunningly well. Um, Amazon, Apple, you know, uh, Google, um, Microsoft, uh, Netflix. You know, and uh, that's really driven uh, a return on those indices that's well over 11% um, and has been on, on a, for a long period of time. Um, so there's going to be quite a bit of debate about whether this is going to continue long term. 
um, whether uh, Fallopu actually has a relevant point, whether it applies globally. Um, now, the liquidity, it has gone. So the, the, the exits aren't going to happen. So investors won't be getting the same cash back. The um, denominator effect, you know, has come into play. Um, so how it's looking for 2020 is really very different, I think, to how it was in 2019. And in terms of the investors, I mean, we see more and more family offices also investing into private equity. But also, I mean, there are uh, there is a trend for even the only the high net worth, I mean, wanted to have, you know, uh, private equity and real estate as an asset class in their portfolios. Uh, is it going to drive also, I mean, the uh, the increase of uh, of uh, of their of the fundraising in the in, in the in those in those sectors? I don't think so, Serge. I mean, I, the, the weight of money is in the defined contribution schemes around the world. And um, I think it's even as recently as last week, the U.S. Um, started to talk quite seriously about allowing uh, these schemes to invest in, in alternative assets. Uh, it, it's hugely controversial. There are people who hate the idea, but the pools of money in D.C. are just massive. Um, you know, uh, if, 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 for example, in the UK, the DC scheme started to access private equity, it would make a, a very significant difference. So uh, family offices, I think, unfortunately, will be very much on the, the sidelines in terms of volume of money. Um, they're hugely important and very welcome. And, and, and if you're a general partner and you, you have family offices in your fund, you, you, you love them to death because they're, they're, they're people that you can build relationships with. You know, the chief investment officer is likely to stay the same for more than three years and stuff like this. Um, so so they're, they're a nice um, part, part of the overall uh, environment, I would say. But I, I think the big money moves will be D.C. OK, you, you, you were, I mean, uh, uh, speaking of we were speaking of opportunities as well, you know, coming from the crisis. What, what do you think are going to be the opportunities now for for the industry? Well, the, um, the COVID crisis has accelerated a number of trends. Um, so I, I, I suppose start, start with one. Um, there's much, much um, more awareness, I think, of technology generally. Um, you know, everybody who's been working from home has been using um, communication uh, apps um, every day, um, in many cases, for many, many hours of the day. Um, and it's causing people to think, well, if, it, if you can do it this way, what else can we do this way? Um, so things like um, healthcare, um, you're going to see a significant uh, investment in the um, interaction between hospitals and doctors and their patients using these sort of uh, mechanisms of communication. Um, you don't actually have to sit in front of a GP to actually have a discussion about how your health is. He doesn't or she doesn't have to actually sit right in front of you in order to take your uh, vital statistics from you in terms of what your blood pressure is and stuff like that. There's even um, apps being developed which actually can test your blood pressure just looking at your face on, on, a, on, a, on a screen like this. So um, I, I think you will see a very significant um, application, I would say, of digital technology to a very wide range of, uh, of industries, and uh, a it'll, it, this has accelerated that trend considerably.
Um, so I, th that's where I, I, I see a great opportunity. I think the difference between early stage venture and actually sizable buyouts will also get uh, much more blurred in that um, the buyout organizations will be looking for emerging technology. Um, you know, there's, I'm a personal investor in a company that uh, uses smart um, software to monitor incidents in, in healthcare. And it's generating relatively modest revenue, but there are buyout organizations already starting to contact the management. And that distinction between venture and buyout is going to become much more blurred as the buyout part of the market looks for technology. And there's, there will be a lot of technology coming through. So I, I think that will be a theme that will run for several years. And as I say, it's really the application of stuff that's already been developed, but in clever ways in sectors that previously haven't really shown strong adoption. What you mentioned regarding the blurred uh, uh, frontier between the uh, private equity and uh, venture capital and buyouts is definitely true because more and more, you know, VC funds also hold their assets for a longer period. They don't go for a listing or an IPO, I mean, very fast anymore. You know, they capitalize on the uh, on the growth and try to to have them, you know, I mean, at the different stages. And Absolutely. it's more and more the case. Yeah. Um, on, what, what do you think about uh, the real estate, especially the office, you know, uh, uh, investment, investment in offices? Because of the fact that we know that people can work remotely now. Well, what, yep. what do you expect there? I, I, I totally agree. I, I, I don't think we're going to return to the way things used to be um, for a whole bunch of reasons. And part of it is that people have discovered that there are some benefits to being able to work at home. Um, and that it doesn't have a significant deterioration on, on, on your ability to actually um, produce the output that you need to, to produce. So um, it, that is one of the unknowns, exactly how big that's going to be um, and what the impact is going to be. Um, but it's, I, I would not dispute that it is a trend that we will see. Uh, building those sort of 100-story um, office blocks uh, full of people, uh, I, I think that could be history in many cases. And there might be as well, I mean, uh, a shift to uh, to smaller cities and not to concentrate everything in the main, in the capital, in the main cities, because people will will be able to go to to local offices and still work as well. Yes, absolutely. So, it could become decentralized, which would obviously take the strain off public transport as well and, and off um uh, traffic too. So there, it actually plays ultimately to the green agenda, which I think is probably the other crucial uh, um, driver for the next, uh, I, I would say, at least five to 10 years. Um, you know, I, the, the areas where I think you'll see um, real interest is actually making buildings really energy efficient um, and really smart and not just playing lip, paying lip service to those sort of uh, trends. So one of the things that uh, Silfleet is looking at at the moment is, is new technology to um, make um, air conditioning and heating really, really um, uh, smart in, in retrofits across Europe. Um, and I, I think you'll see people starting to go, well, maybe I should be 
you know, a bit smarter about my real estate investment. Maybe I should be looking for uh, what you might call a high quality building um, that I know is going to be used for a good reason, but I can make it much more efficient and therefore much more appealing to, to tenants. And, and this is part also of uh, a trend that's going to be very, I mean, uh, a real trend in the market, which is responsible investments that are increasing a lot in all asset classes. So, I mean, starting with the, uh, with the listed uh, securities, but now in, even for private equity and real estate, investors are quite in demand of responsible investment. Is, oh, yes. it, is it something that you're, you're, you're seeing as well? Yeah, this is going to be, as I said, that the green, I would say green um, equals responsible. Um, it, it, of a major financial organization that it has targeted a 25% reduction in its travel. Um, now, part of that is because it saves money, but part of it is also they want to show to all of the stakeholders that they interact with that they have spotted and noticed and taken on board the fact that travel um, generally produces an awful lot of carbon dioxide. And if it's unnecessary, why do it? And isn't it a lot better for the environment and the world generally if you don't? So I, I think you will see much, much, much more focus on traveling only when you really need to, to close the deal, maybe, um, to make that crucial first meeting with a, with a customer, maybe. Um, but you'll see much more investment other ways of interacting with your customers and building the relationship with your customers uh, online. Um, and, and in a way, you have to say the, the people who are going to suffer there are, are, are the um, aerospace industry, which has had a sort of very, very, very long boom. The volumes, and you've seen it, Airbus is taking down their build rates by a third, and it may well stay there um, because there will be much more scrutiny from a corporate level as to do we need to make that journey, make it justify why you're going to use up tons of uh, aviation fuel um, to get yourself to that particular meeting. Um, and that's going to drive a lot of behavior changes over the, the coming few years. And it's going to be big. Absolutely. COVID-19 has also consequences on the debt market and the private debt market. What is your view on that? I mean, what, I mean, uh, what is your view on what's happening now and are there opportunities for the future? I think you need to be really quite careful um, this time around. Um, if, you, if you go back to the, the so-called GFC, um, there was a financial issue and the business model that emerged wasn't going to be very different to the business model of the company going into that crisis. So you could sort of make a fairly simple adjust, uh, you know, uh, um, assessment as to, you know, is it a good company? Um, what level of value should it have? And where does the value break in the debt, for example? In many areas, that is much more complicated this time around because is the business model of that company going to be affected or unaffected? And in many cases, it's very, very hard to make that call right now. Um, and it could be slightly affected. It could be heavily affected. Um, don't know. So what's the real value of it? How easy is it to actually assess that? Now, there will be some opportunities actually where the, the business is not going to change massively. Um, in which case you could go, fine, well, I'm happy to buy in at this level. 
But if there is a sort of significant challenge to the underlying business model and where the outcome is uncertain, I would say be really quite careful as to what you buy into. And my, my guess is that there will be quite a lot of debt available in areas that people don't feel particularly comfortable about in the future. So you, you've seen Into is having trouble at the moment, uh, the big UK property uh, um, company that's you know invested over many, many, many years in um, sh shopping malls. And now people are going to, you know, how much shopping is going to be done in shopping malls going forward? And what is the value of a shopping center? Um, and if you're going to pile into something like that, I would say that's for the brave um, because the, 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 the direction of travel has changed. It's not simply you went into a dip, you came out of the dip in the same shape. You've gone into a dip and you're coming out potentially in a different way completely. So there will be opportunities. There always are. Um, there are people who've got themselves overextended who shouldn't have, um, but there will also be data out, out there that people will just not touch would be my guess. Clear. As a last question, I cannot resist, you know, to ask you as the chair of the BVCA, some news about Brexit and what you think the impact is going to be on your industry. Well, I'll tell you what um, our view is, I guess. So f first of all, it's pretty clear that the timetable will not be extended by the politicians. Not extending the uh, timetable means that a lot has to be done in a short space of time. But frankly, it's going to have to be limited by the amount of time available. Um, that means that what is likely to come is going to be as a pretty close relative to a hard Brexit. Um, it may have the title trade deal, but the number of things covered by the trade deal may be quite limited. So the BBCA message to its members is, yes, you've been very busy about COVID. There's something else that you need to remember is still coming at you as well. And that is, um, Brexit and the implications of Brexit. Now, it's four years, um, I think it was four years, a couple of days ago, um, that the vote took place. Um, so a, a lot of um, private equity uh, investor companies have been aware of this change coming for a long time and have actually taken action. Um, so I don't think this is quite as cataclysmic as, as people might write about in the, in the papers. Behind the scenes, people have been moving preparing, applying to be authorized economic operators and stuff like that. But the message is, if you haven't done it, time is running out. And this time there are no extensions. You have approximately, you know, six months to get your house in order and don't assume that anything good is going to happen. Assume that something close to a hard Brexit is where we're going to be. So that's the message. Um, what's the impact? Well, I, I, I think um, a lot of the impacts already been seen. Um, would be my take, Serge. I, I don't think you're going to suddenly see massive changes in the first half of 2021. Um, many organisations have already made judgment calls about the impact on their business model um, and, and, and taken action. Neil, it was great having you at our first IQEQ Power Talk. Many thanks and all of you, stay tuned because we will be back. Have a great day. Great. Thanks, Serge.